God, we believe in the name of Jesus. We believe there's power and authority in that name. And I believe that people could be resurrected back to life right here today within our midst. We surrender all the control of this to you. Have your way in your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay. I'm going into the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible... If you would turn to Acts chapter 1, I'm going to try and calm myself down. I'm super, I'm super excited today. Um, I didn't realize how excited I would be to go into the book of Acts, but like um, I kept reading the first little bit in this week and Thursday as I was driving to work. I know this is not, I don't recommend this, but I had my notebook that I usually write measurements down on the dash. It's like God started like just speaking to me, so I grabbed it and threw it on the seat, and I was writing notes like like all with like this and trying to drive with this hand. And I am so excited to give this message, but this first part is going to seem like a downer, okay? But we're we're going somewhere, I promise. All right. Um, last week, if you were here or if you were not here, we had Peter from the Jesus Film Project. And uh, you can look it up. It's a really cool. It's a really cool thing they do. And and Peter started off talking statistics about the church in other countries. And I, for one, was excited. Right? I was in my seat, like, wow. I mean, the church is growing in leaps and bounds in a lot of these other countries. Also, seeing some of the pictures he shared of, of people outside sitting down, like doing church just outside. I thought, man. We are much worse than I thought we were. Sorry. We repent of being just, you know. I said this morning to Austin, I was like, I don't know how many chairs to set up because I always think if it's too sunny and nice out, we're not going to have very many people. This morning it's raining. We may not have a lot of people. We are very fickle people. But he talked about that church over there, and I wanted to talk to you for just a little bit about stats in the church in the United States. In the last 25 years, 40 million people have stopped attending church in the United States. When COVID hit, it's estimated that 30% of the church left and are not coming back. They didn't just go strictly online. They have walked away from the church and are not coming back. Churches to combat this have started changing like... Churches have changed the way they consider their attendance. And so now for you to be considered a full member, they only require you to attend, I believe it's 27 weeks a year, and you're considered a full-time member. Does anybody know how many Sundays there are in a year? It's a lot more than 27. Um, Estimated, okay, I'm going, to give you the, I'm going to give you the light side. Every year in America, there's around 3,000 churches opening, which seems exciting until you learn that at least 4,500 churches are closing every year, and that's the low side of the statistic. They think it's actually closer to 7,500 churches are closing in America every year with only 3,000 opening. Listen, I'm not very good at math, but I know that that's a pretty large deficit. Now, I will go on to say that I know that megachurches have become a thing. And so lots of little churches are hemorrhaging because megachurches have better speakers and better worship, 
and lots of reasons that people are going there. However, I'm going to refute some of that claim. How many of you grew up in church? I didn't really go all of the time, but I went fairly regularly. Um, how many of you were really excited about going to church? A few of you. How many churches that you went to you would consider dead and dusty? Well, let me ask you, how many of the churches you attended as a kid are still open? I mean, are some of them closed? Some of these churches are closed and tore down, gone? Okay. Are you all depressed yet? <laughs> So here's sort of what I wrote down about the church in America. A lot of what we see is that pastors are like self-help gurus. We have the prosperity gospel running wild. Churches to, to young people are boring. Um, much of our prayer are prayerless and powerless. Our churches are inactive. Uh, they're consumerist-driven, and they're human-driven. In other words, depending on how big the personality in the pulpit is, is how big your congregation is. And so, unfortunately, you all are stuck with me, but if you go to a larger church where they've got somebody that's just a really gifted speaker, <clears throat> I'm not sure they're all even Christians. I'm just going to be honest with you. But if they're a good enough speaker, you can get people in the seats, and the more people in the seats usually equates more money in the box, which means bigger building, more more uh, things for people to do, so there's more fellowship, there's more things like that. I will say one statistic that I saw about people who left and didn't come back after COVID. If people pre-COVID were engaged in small groups, they were significantly more likely to come back after COVID. I'm not poo-pooing on big churches and all of that stuff. I don't want you to get me wrong. Some of them are doing great things. But I'm going into the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a very different picture of the church. In fact, what we want to see, we want to see in church, most members want to see biblical truth, and then they want to see life application. Okay, That is the book of Acts. The book of Acts are the people who knew Jesus, who lived with Jesus, who saw how Jesus lived. They're the first people, not the first people, I'm sorry, um, because in the Old Testament, you do see the Holy Spirit come in in specific locations, but it's usually for a time or in an area. The, the early church is where you see the Holy Spirit really fully pull, poured out on people, and you see the church come alive. It's exciting. It's powerful. Their prayers, Beth once again knocks it out of the park with her, her music, their prayers are so powerful that they break chains, they, they break people out of prison, they shake the very foundation of the churches that they're in. Uh, the church is active, it is serving, and it is, rather than being personality driven, it is driven by a person, but it's the person of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens in this, okay, so I, last week I talked about... Um, being a mature Christian, which is hard for me to talk about because I'm very, a very immature person in my personal life. And so what you're going to see in the book of Acts is the disciples who are sort of um, clueless and floundering. They're the same disciples that at the crucifixion of Christ ran and denied, are now empowered by the Holy Spirit, and now they're imprisoned, they're flogged, they're beaten, they're eventually martyred, and when they are flogged and beaten, what you will see is that they leave those places... Re okay, I'm, I'm, I'll calm down. They leave their rejoicing for being, for being chosen to be worthy of suffering in the name of Christ. How many people do we see in the church 
that have that mindset right now? Not very many. Okay. Just in case you weren't on the same page as me. So I'm going to ask you two, I'm going to give you two questions. And as I read, I'm going to read Acts 1. I'm going to read 1 through 11, and then we're going to talk about it. But I want you to look at two questions. And I wish Paige was here because Paige, Paige gave me this first question last week. In Sunday school, I asked, um, does anyone want to open us in prayer? And it was silence. And Paige said, I'm willing. You need to start asking, is anyone willing to do it? Okay. And willing has become the theme of this week, especially men's group the other night. So I want you to ask a question in your mind. Are you willing? The second question I want to ask came out in men's group too. What is your asterisk? And by that, what I mean is this. Everyone says, I will follow God or do what God asks up until this point. So your asterisk may be, I'll serve God until he asks me to pray in front of people, and I'm not doing that. I will serve God until he asks me to give a message, and I'm not doing that. I will serve God until he calls me, okay, to, to walk away from my job. I will serve God until he asks me to leave my home and go to another country to serve him, or to another state, or to another city. So what is your asterisk? What is the place in your life where you're, you're maybe giving God full reign over here, but what is the spot in your life where this is my box and God, you don't, you don't come in here? Okay, so as we go through that message, as this, through this message, I want you to be asking yourself, and really I want you to be asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is your asterisk, what are you keeping God out of, and are you truly willing? <clears throat> In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. And so there's a few points that I want to make. Um, one of... There, there's actual several points in this that I want to make. I'm going to start with the baptism thing. 
I announced this last week, and I'm intentionally not announcing this during, just during announcement time. I'm announcing it during the message. For one reason is because I want you guys to actually be sitting down and paying attention. <laughs> Number two is because we video during this time, and so I don't usually address people that watch this online. If you just watch messages online, stop that, get into a local body. The church says do not forsake the gathering of the saints, so stop it. Online church is not enough. It, it helps, but it's not enough. Get into a church body, number one. Number two, on October the 8th, we're doing a baptism service at this location. Um, we're going to do a two-part baptism. We are going to do baptism in water, and we are going to lay on hands and pray for the Holy Spirit in people. I'm going to ask a couple of questions before we do this. Before you're baptized in water, I'm going to make sure you understand what baptism is. I don't believe baptism saves, okay? I believe that baptism is, okay, it is you saying, I'm going to be identified by Christ. I'm buried in the likeness of his death. I'm raised to walk again in the newness of life. That's, this is the way I, and then, and then the other side of this, I, I truly believe that a big part of the reason the church is dead and dying is because the Holy Spirit is not alive and active in the members of the church, in a lot of churches, not even in the pastor, okay? Um, as we go into this, in saying that, I want you guys to pray for me in that, okay? Because this is me taking a huge step out in faith, okay? It's the first time that I've ever stepped into this realm. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that. I want you guys to be praying for me, but I want to say this, um, we did youth group forever. And I feel like for so long we pandered to kids. You know, we, we just, we played games. We did all of this stuff that they enjoyed just to get them in the room. And what we did now is those kids love my wife and I. And when those kids are struggling, they will, even though I haven't seen some of them in years, they will call or text me when they need good advice but I'm not sure how much I bonded them to Jesus because we pandered to them and we gave them feel-good messages. There, there are some things that I, I know we planted seeds. I don't want you to get me wrong, but we've got to get the Holy Spirit. In fact, in verse 2, there was something interesting that I saw here. It says, um, until that day when he was taken up after he had given commands, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, So Jesus gave commands through the Holy Spirit. And this is what the church needs to get right. Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus doesn't say anything unless he hears the Father say it. So now he's at the right hand of the Father. He hears directly. And then through the Holy Spirit, he gives instructions to his church. I'm not just talking about the gifts. I'm talking about the fruit, and I'm talking about the instructions. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin. Convicting the world of sin includes the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin. Holy Spirit, I get, you, He helps reveal what the Bible means. Mm, okay, I'm getting excited here. But there's things that I saw in this. So we're looking at life application. There's things that I saw in this. The baptism was one of them. I wanted to touch that point. But there's other things that I saw in this is um, in verses 4 and 5 and verses 7. 
It says, while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said to them, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse, what did I say, verse 7, oh, there they ask, at this time will you restore um, Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know the time or the season. We want things to happen in our time. And I thought to myself, and I actually did not think to myself, this is one of the notes that I wrote down as I was driving to church. If you're, as we go through the book of Acts, this is what you're going to see, is that the book in the, this church is alive. And so he tells them here, he says, you go there and wait. He says, many, not many days from now, but he doesn't say, on Tuesday at 3.30, you better be in the room because that's when I'm going to show up. He says, go there and wait. It's not for you to know the time. And so what if we switched up church? What if I told you next Sunday we're going to come to this building with no agenda, with no message, with no Sunday school. We're going to show up here and we're going to pray and we're not going to leave till God shows up. How many people would show up? Because at some level, every one of us walks in this building wanting to receive something for ourselves. I'm no different. <laughs> God was convicting me of this. But what we see in the book of Acts, what you're going to see is it's like, oh no, Peter's put in prison. So the church gathers and they sit and they pray and they wait until what? Until Peter knocks on the door and then they're even confused like what? It's, it's like his ghost. It can't possibly be him, right? We see, I mean, you just see over and over again that they're just sitting and they're waiting on the Lord to move. And that's just something that we're not willing to do. So it's God's timing. The another thing that I saw was that it's God's placement. In verse 4, God says, Jesus says, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. And then 10 and 11, He says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus was taken away from you. In other words, he's saying, stop just standing there and waiting. Jesus has told you, don't leave here, right? You're standing in a place you're not supposed to stand. I want to I touch on that for just a moment. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit to give us direction. Go to the place He told you to stand. Don't just stand in the wrong place looking up, expecting God to move. Okay? So this, I wrote down just a few thoughts because I, I get excited and I knew this week I'd be particularly excited. There's certain things like, maybe it's in your job. I'm just preaching to myself here. Maybe it's in your job that you're just standing, looking up, expecting God to move, and God never called you to that job or that place. That job may be a decent thing, but maybe it's distracting you from something that God has that's even greater than where you are right now. 
Maybe your job is getting in the way of you being able to spend quality time with your family or maybe your job is, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe your job is so stressful that when you're at home, you can't help but focus on that. And so you're yelling at your wife and your kids, not because they're really being that bad, but because your job is so stressful. Maybe God's saying, hey, you need to step out of a toxic work environment. Maybe God's calling, and I believe this will happen in this church one day, that God is saying, I want you to go to a new city. I want you to go to a new state. I want you to go to a new country because I need you to be there as a witness to the people. Because you see, he says that you will be a witness in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, in Jerusalem. That's not just where it's easy and convenient. It's also you're going to my enemies and to the ends of the world that you don't even recognize to be my witness. Maybe it's the church that you're in. And I'm hoping it's not since you're here. <laughs> but sometimes we do what's convenient and easy and comfortable and God's calling us out to do something different. I can tell you that this happened in my own life. I believe that before I left my last church, that God called my wife and I to do something different probably two years before. But where I was was comfortable and convenient, so I refused to move my feet. And so God said, okay, if you're not willing, then I'm going to force it. Now, I do think that all good, uh, he used the good things because we went through pain and things that helped us become the person that we are to get to the place that we are. But I want you to ask yourself those questions. Am I standing expecting God to move, but I'm standing in a place he hasn't called me to stand? And maybe that's even just in your mindset. Please don't just call your boss tomorrow and quit because I gave this message. <laughs> Pray about it, okay? I just got to clarify that. Another thing that I said, you know, I started this off, are you willing? And what I want you to understand, I'm really working hard to get this in people's minds, is that we have this mindset of, my purpose, it's actually God's purpose and we're supposed to work within that purpose. So it's God's will, not my will. This is something again that you're going to see in the book of Acts is that, you know, they take a beating in the name of Christ and they rejoice. I mean, like... Peter's in prison and he won't stop talking about Jesus. When they take them before the, the people to judge them, what they end up doing is preaching the gospel at the very people that they're in front of. They're in trouble for doing this thing and they go in front of the judge and they just keep doing the same thing. They got them in trouble. And I think we struggle even talking to the people closest to us about it. What I, but I want you to understand is that it's God's will, not mine. You see it when they ask, at this time will you restore Jerusalem? And he says, that's not for you to know. That's up to God. God will do that on his timing. Some of you are desperately wanting God to do something in your life and he's not doing it in your timetable and you're getting frustrated and you're getting, maybe you're even questioning. And I want to encourage you today to sit and wait for his timing. Because when his timing happens, it's going to be better than if it's in your timing. I promise you that. 
we have all of these things coming into con coming into <laughs> I got to say this part <clears throat> Mitch is the one that brought up the asterisk right and we jumped on that and we started talking about our asterisks and and I was like, he's, somebody's like, oh yeah, this is going to be a, a sermon now. And I said, yeah, I'm going to do a sermon series of what's your asterisk and it'll culminate in kiss your asterisk goodbye because, you know, that's just a natural culmination. But I'm asking you today, are you willing to kiss your asterisk goodbye? Because the time for complacency in the church is over. My wife and I were watching a show last night, and I won't say what, sorry, I won't say what show because you'll think I'm demonized for watching it, but we were watching this show and we saw these people, these really creative people, and they were being asked to create something that spoke about themselves, and these, both of these people were talking about their mental illness, and the way they, the way they artistically showed it was they drew demons. And it hit me now that people inside the church are no longer even denying the fact that they're demonized, but people in the church are. The time for feel-good Sunday morning messages that just inspire us to live a happy life during the week are over. It's time for us to be willing for God to do whatever God wants to do in our lives. And if we're not willing to do that, I don't know what we're doing. We might as well join a country club so we can all go and swim in a pool and play golf together. If we're not willing to set our lives down and say, I, mean, I don't know how many towns you've driven through lately, but Mexico is not a huge town. And I work there every day, and lately I keep driving around and seeing people that you can tell from seeing them on the sidewalk that they're trapped in addiction. I literally sent my wife a video of a guy the other day that was outside a house that I was in that would walk. For 30 minutes, he stood in one spot and would take a couple steps forward and stumble a couple steps backwards. And I was scared. He was in the road, getting ready to cross another fairly busy street. We need a church. And I'm blaming my, I should have walked out there and laid hands on the dude. And said, I sent a video to my wife. He's like, what? Somebody needs to call the cops. This guy's going to get killed. We need a church so full of the Spirit and so bold that we are not willing to back down. We are not willing. Listen, I wrote this stuff down. Are you willing to lay it down? Are you willing to get punched in the mouth and to keep standing back up and doing what God has called you to do? Are you willing to get ridiculed by the church? Because they're the ones that are going to ridicule you. When you decide that I'm going full Jesus mode, I'm all in, I've laid it all down, the church is the one that's going to take an issue with it. Are you ready to wait? 
It sounds contradictory to these things that I'm saying, right? Some of you are in that season where you're supposed to be waiting on God to move. But what you're going to see as we go into the book of Acts is it's a bunch of knuckleheads who, like one chapter before, are running and fleeing and they're still confused, who are immature and still don't understand the things of Christ. And we flip forward just a little bit and you're going to see people empowered and encouraged and bold and motivated to go out to all people And the reason I think willing is so powerful to me, I was walking around yesterday with my dogs and I was thinking about today's message. I don't know, I've been in this, I've been in this realm for a while where I'm trying to figure out cessationists, like why they think the way they think. You don't know what a cessationist is. It's a person that doesn't think the gifts of the Spirit are still a thing, Right? I can't figure it out. Yesterday I was thinking how I wanted to articulate this to you guys. I was thinking in my mind, like, are the gifts, are are these things, are like healing and these things still happening? And I was thinking in my mind, there's about five instances in my life where I've seen healing happen. Two, three of them are from me directly praying laying hands on and praying. Two of them, not. One of them was in a church service where God asked me to step out and do a really weird thing during a service and the pastor knew me well enough that he allowed me to do it. And so in obedience, I walked forward and did something, not realizing that at the same time he was calling someone else to do something. So when I did my thing, it encouraged him to do his. And this guy was in bondage and enslaved and addicted to pornography and his act of obedience of stepping out. He had, listen, he had been praying about it. He had been putting blocks on his computers and his phone. He had been doing everything humanly to stop this behavior and he could not do it for years. And in this one radical act of obedience, when he comes forward, when he does this thing, immediately in that moment, he hears the voice of God say, you will struggle with this no more. And then we were in a service, the same guy one night, we're in a service and he's speaking on a prayer walk and he's speaking about washing feet and he has a bottle of water and just to model it so people didn't have to take their shoes off because that's just weird to wash people's feet. Although you ought to try it sometimes. It's It's really freeing. It'll humble you. So he took people's hands and he would squirt a little water on there and rub water on their hands. And as he's talking, he's doing that. And there comes this moment where he stops and he's just engaged in what he's saying. And I take the water bottle and I walk over and I just start squirting it on people's hands and I rub it in. And there's a person standing in that group that no one knows except them and their spouse that they've had pain and numbness in their arm and like their arm felt dead. They'd been going to the doctors to figure out what was wrong. No one knew it and I walked over and took their hand and squirted water in it and rubbed it on and walked on and in that moment, boom, their arm is healed. And it's not because I even knew God does it that way because He gets the glory and not me. The reason I'm so fired up is because Mexico, we're driving through Mexico one day this week. I saw one of those people walking down the street 
And I just felt God say, I'm going to send those people into your church and you're going to lay hands on them and they're going to be delivered. It's going to happen because it's His will, it's His power, it's His timing, it's His kingdom, it's His spirit, it's His authority. The question is, are we willing? Are you willing to kiss your asterisk goodbye? Men, I see you guys. I want you all to hear this. I see you guys. I see you guys stepping up. You guys have no idea how much, how much that inspires me and how much that encourages me that you guys are stepping up and you're stepping in. I want you guys to hear something. Before I was a Christian, I, I was just an idiot, right? I mean, you guys have heard me say that. Why that lady stayed with me as long as she did, I don't understand. I was angry. I was jealous. I was hostile. I was toxic. God started working that stuff out of me. And when we went to church and we got saved and we started doing this ministry thing, I think sometimes my wife would be looking at me out of the corner of her eye Is this real? Is this new person I'm seeing real? And it took years of me giving messages before I became bold enough to say something to my wife. Where my wife said one day, I don't understand why I reacted this way. And I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, I don't know why. I said, I do. She said, why? And I told her. And then she went silent. I was like, uh-oh. I went too far. And probably three days later, she came back to me. She said, I don't know why I couldn't see that. Guys, don't stop. Don't stop. Because now if you ask my wife, my wife will tell you, she doesn't know much about me. She never knows what's going to come out of my mouth. But the one thing she does know is I'm going to do what Jesus asked me to do and I don't give a rip what anybody else thinks. I don't consider the consequences. I don't consider the backlash. And I don't really care. Because if God is in it, it's the only thing worth doing. So men, I want to specifically encourage you that as you step into this, because before, she was my world. And so there's that balance of all of a sudden, uh-oh, now there's somebody that has more importance than me in his life. And now there's going to be resistance to that. Ladies, I will encourage you, if your significant other is a knucklehead, 
Don't give up on him. Because God started moving her before he started moving me. The problem is I was such an anchor and such a drag down, I kept pulling her back. Don't give up. Don't stop pressing in. Don't stop waiting for God to show up. Because when God shows up in His timing, in His will, in His power, in His authority, in His spirit, things will shift. So, here's the place God has me. The altars are closed right now. This is awkward for me because I love a good altar call. But they're closed. They're closed until October the 8th, and then we'll see what happens after that. But I want you to ask these questions to yourself, not just right now, not just during this message, not just today. Listen, Christianity is not just Sunday. Worship is not just Sunday. Holy Spirit is not just Sunday. I want you to ask, your, ask these questions of yourself. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, am I willing? And what's my asterisk? What am I withholding from God? Where am I not allowing Him to have His free reign? Am I willing? Because I believe with my full heart that this book of the Bible should be what we're in as much as anything because I believe this is going to inspire and motivate. But if you come here unwilling to think that God is still doing these things, what are we doing? What are we doing? Carolyn, how dark is the Voss, the city of? Really dark. I told the men Friday night, God called us to this town for some It doesn't make sense. If you look at a church growth manual, a town of a 900 or a 1,000 with five or six churches already functioning, probably not your best bet. I believe God called us here because it is dark. I believe God called us here because there's pain, there's hurt, and there's addiction, and then there's the light of the world. There's the King of Kings, there's the Lord of Lords, there's a God that is bigger and greater and mightier than all of these things, and that He wants a people that are willing to be obedient to what He calls us to do. <laughs> and Steve said, Friday night, I'm going to call Steve out on this. We talked about this darkness, and I said, how do we get those people in our building? And Steve looked at me and said, maybe it's time to get out of the building. And so I looked at him, and he goes, that's all I got. <laughs> With that heart. Are you guys willing? Father God, right now we're going to enter into a time of worship. And I ask, God, anybody here that 
doesn't hear your voice clearly that right now, supernaturally, your spirit would increase in your people. God, I ask that the joy and the peace that surpass all understanding would fall here in these people. Because it's the distractions of the world, it's the, it's the fear and the anxiety and the chaos of the world that keep us from hearing your voice so clearly. I ask God that, that in this body, that the people that have joy in your, in your presence and the, and the peace that comes with us, God, I ask that your love would increase in this body. That, God, these people here would see that I love them because you first loved me, but that you love them. And that's the only reason I can love them. And that, that as you pour out your love on them, that your love builds into them, that it overflows so that as we come to church and we go through our week and we see those people that are hurting and broken that our hearts would break and that we would say God I am willing to do whatever you're calling me to do because those people are made in the image of God that those people you have asked me to go to the ends of the earth to reclaim those people to the people that don't know you the people that don't care about you the people that hate us and despise us it's our job to pursue, to, to we've been given this, the ministry of reconciliation. God, I ask that you would put a boldness in your people, that you would just put a desire to be closer to you, that you would call us closer into relationship with you, that you would call us to lay more of ourselves down and increase more in you that you would put a willingness in us to do your will, to see your will be done in Avalz, Missouri, as it is in heaven, that your kingdom come. God, I ask that all those other voices would be silenced in their lives, that your voice could read ring loud and clear, that we would speak what you speak to us, that we would be silent when you ask us to be silent. God, I ask that you put a heart in us that we would be willing to show up here with no agenda, but just sit and wait for you to move because I am so much better with you than without you. God, I ask that you be with the churches in the surrounding area, that you would be put back in the rightful place that you would be given control. It would be your words that were heard. It should be your will that would be done. And right now, as we come into this corporate worship together, I ask that you would bring us together in unity. Let us be one as you are one. One mind, one heart, one mission, one spirit. I ask that if there's anybody in here today in captive and in bondage, you would set them free. Right now we come to you in worship. and We give you all of the honor and all of the glory. Let us be willing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.